What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Solomon Ali NBA on Twitter. Here, joined by Michael Shapiro of SI Now. Michael, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So we are recording this episode as the Houston Rockets just lost to the Memphis Grizzlies, and the result is not a surprise, but the way they lost actually is. Let me explain. So the Rockets played a grueling contest against the Milwaukee Bucks on Friday night and then flew to Memphis during the middle of some pretty bad storms. So they were actually about to enter Memphis, but they were told to turn around and fly in circles for a bit as the storms calmed down. And, you know, there's crazy turbulence there. And as most people know by now, parts of the country are going through some pretty bad storms, pretty bad weather. These tornadoes have already killed like 50 people right now, I think. Uh, last time I checked and, you know, destroy a lot of homes, a lot of lives, some really tragic stuff. But as it pertains to the Rockets, their landing in Memphis got delayed. And I was told their flight landed at 1 a.m. And Stephen Silas actually said today that they got back to the hotel at 2 a.m. And then Eric Gordon gets listed as out for tonight's game with right groin soreness. And they were already down Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and Daniel House. Uh, it's not much of a surprise as the Rockets have been pretty intentional about sitting Gordon on back-to-backs, but just because they knew doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, right? And anyways, they play last night, their flight gets delayed because of the storm, and they're down four rotation players. And I think the Grizzlies were favored to win by eight points, uh, and I think that was going up last time I checked. They ended up winning by seven, but this, that, that game was really close down the stretch. Like, the, the Grizzlies escaped through this with the skin of their teeth. I mean, it was a insane comeback that the, that the Rockets mounted. They were down like crazy at halftime, uh, came back uh, on the backs of pretty much Alper and Shangun. Um, and I guess we can talk about that in a minute. What, did you watch the game? Yeah, of course. I, uh, I tuned in and I was at the arena last night as well as they faced the Bucks. And, you know, it was kind of a night where uh, another, I would say, admirable loss for Houston. You know, I think earlier in the year, a lot of these blowouts were really kind of wearing on the fan base and I think wearing on Steven Silas and the Rockets as well. But I think right now it's a situation where, you know, some of these losses is a situation where Houston can certainly stomach it, especially if there's some growth amongst their young players or some cohesion on the roster, which we're seeing. So uh, I would say overall pretty positive last two nights for the Rockets, even though that win streak now is over. Right. Like those are two playoff teams. And in one of those cases, the defending champs. And let's talk about last night's game since you brought it up. So we were both at this game and it's where Houston's seven game winning streak came to an abrupt halt. I'll just say this. I know the Rockets don't care about moral victories, uh, although maybe they do now because they're in a rebuilding mode. But if there ever was a moral victory, it's it was that game. And I was so impressed at how hard they competed against the Bucks and actually managed to get uh, a good lead for a portion of the game before letting go of the rope in the fourth quarter. And we'll talk about that in a second. But overall, Houston should be pretty happy that it took Giannis going for 41 points, 17 rebounds, five assists, three steals, and two blocks for the defending champions to beat you by single digits. That's huge. Like, I didn't give them a chance of winning that game, and they stood up better than I could have imagined. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's no no issue kind of stacking moral victories if the Rockets want to uh, this year, and especially last night. I thought it was a really strong performance. Uh, you know, I don't know how sustainable Garrison Matthews, you know, really becoming Gary Bird is really going to last, but I think he was really impressive, and as was Armani Brooks. But, yeah, I think Alper and Sangoon has been kind of the story the last two nights, and these young Rockets pieces, even without Jalen Green, even without Kevin Porter Jr., you know, there seems to, as I kind of noted earlier, to be some kind of – positive momentum I would say on the roster I think there's a little more buy-in for Steven Silas than there was early in the year and that's probably just a product of them playing better so it's kind of they steadied the ship a little bit 
Uh, and I think, you know, last night was kind of an encouraging sign despite, you know, Giannis taking over there down the stretch. Yeah, let's get into the nitty gritty of that game. And bear with me, Michael. I'm going to go do, I'm going to do my best to try and sum up this game. So it might be a little long. Um, so they start off the game in a pretty precarious position, right? Like, yes, they were scoring points, but they were doing it with pretty much zero dribble penetration and scoring in the paint. Like, it was all hot shooting. The Bucks were completely lasered in on the defensive end. And immediately I'm like, uh-oh, this could get pretty ugly for Houston when the shooting dies down. But it didn't. Like, Garrison Matthews would just wouldn't cool off. He ended up scoring 19 points in that first half. Some ridiculously contested shots. Um, shots that you would see like J.R. Smith taking his prime, like really dumb, really far away, and they all went in, uh, and they were contested as well. And th- this is really like his specialty, so I guess I shouldn't call it dumb, but he he like regularly hits these shots. But anyways, he's knocking down shots and keeping Houston in striking distance, and then Alperin Shangun steps in, checks into the game and completely changes the complexion. Uh, the Rockets are finally able to get dib- dribble penetration and scoring in the paint. Uh, Shangun starts abusing DeMarcus Cousins so much that Bud subs him out, and we don't see him for the rest of the game. Uh, but then Bobby Portis takes the assignment, and he gets cooked too. Uh, so the Bucks have no answer for Shangun. He's just a human wrecking ball. And the Rockets ju- just feed off of this and are starting to play through him now. He, start- he starts sucking in defenders like a vacuum, and shots are opening up all over the floor. Um, meanwhile, Giannis is starting to do Giannis things, right? He's getting the basket at will, getting the free throw line because the Rockets have no choice but to foul him. He's too big, too strong, and too fast. And the Rockets aren't really built to guard someone like that right now. Uh, But my point is that there's this back and forth going on and Houston's able to stay on the winning end of things all the way up until the fourth quarter where Shingun plays an extended stretch against the Bucks' second unit. Same thing, he, he, is, he continues to assault the Bucks' front court, making defenders look utterly hopeless. So Buds uh, makes this smart and bold adjustment to like put Giannis at center and like have him guard Shingun. And for a minute, it seems to like fluster Shingun. Like he turns the ball over. But as soon as he kind of gets the vibe... He he adjusts and he he even drew a foul at Giannis down the, mm-hmm. on Giannis down the stretch like and everybody in press row just kind of looking over at the Rockets bench like why hasn't Christian Wood checked in like are they actually planning on continuing with the status quo by ending the game with Wood and Tate and lo and behold they do and we don't see Shingun for the rest of the night and this is part of what costs Houston the game like from my perspective and I, I understand I'm a little biased like. But in my defense, at no point have I ever said that Shingun was a more talented basketball player than Christian Wood. But from my perspective, you kind of have to ditch conventional wisdom there at the end of the game and, you know, go with with Shingun instead of Wood. This is a really bad matchup for Wood. He couldn't guard Giannis, and he's not having success in the paint. While on the, on the other end of things, it's an awesome matchup for Shingun. And I guess now thinking about it, it kind of is conventional wisdom, like in basketball, because that's kind of what we always say, right? That's the cliche. You got to go with the lineup that brought you there, right? And in this situation, I thought ending the game with KJ Martin and Shingun on the front court was kind of what would have been smart. Um, either way, there's like no reason that Shingun should have not been in the game, whether that's mm. with Tate or that's with Wood and a too big lineup. Like, I understand you're worried about the defense. But offensively, this is probably the best defensive team in the NBA, so you should probably prioritize closing the game with offense. Uh, Silas tried explaining his reasoning post-game, and intellectually, right. I, I see where he's coming from, right, uh, about being worried about Shingun defensively against Giannis of the five. But instinctually, I thought the best move in that moment was to continue playing Shingun. 
and like we all know like basketball is not played on paper like if if shangun is a disaster you can still put wood back in the game and i get that it's kind of ballsy to have wood on the bench in the fourth quarter if he doesn't want to play the two big lineup but it's one game and if wood pouts about this that's on him not on silas like in the end it's just inexcusable for shangun to have played 15 minutes in that game yeah, I mean, there, there are pretty solid stretches where, where Sengun kind of looks like the Rockets' best player, you know, and I, I don't think it's really uh, completely unfair to say that. And I think last night, you know, I think it was one of those moments. And as you said, it's not exactly like Christian Wood was really slowing them down. It's not like anyone was really slowing Giannis down, regardless of kind of the front court rotation. You know, I will stay in, in Steven Silas's defense here, as you kind of hinted at it. Sometimes the situation is a little more than, than what – you purely think in theory is the best lineup, right? I think there is some kind of uh, interpersonal dynamics going on, right? Of course, where, you know, you don't want to be sitting Christian Wood, who's, you know, kind of at this moment, at least you're kind of franchise anchor, kind of your most uh, veteran player, you know, uh, and high level contributor. Uh, It's kind of a situation that happened with Daniel Tice earlier in the year, right? You know, I think it was clamoring for bench Tice, you know, and the lineups admittedly were really, really ugly when you paired Tice uh, with Christian Wood. I had some notes on that. I think it's minus uh, 20 points per 100 possessions when those guys are paired. But it's also a situation where you just very recently signed Daniel Tice to a four-year deal. Do you want to immediately shut him down? So. I agree that strategically last night, I think that it was an error by Steven Silas. I'll also say uh, it's it's December 11th right now, right? So I think we have a long season ahead uh, and a lot of nights coming in February and March and January where Sengun will be closing, right? And he'll be earning plenty of minutes and plenty of chance to prove himself. So I understand the frustration that kind of comes from Rockets fans, but also caution. It, it's a long season ahead. And I think, you know, immediately benching some of these veterans right away, there's some more interpersonal dynamics that aren't necessarily taken into account by a lot of people. Yeah, and I'm not a Rockets fan. Like I, I just, I just think from the basketball perspective in that game, you got to go with the lineup that that caught them up, right? Like I think it, it, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, and from like, I guess you know, going back to the Tice thing. By the way, on a side note, like Houston's offseason signings have not looked good. Like Daniel Tice and David Nwaba, uh, just not the best seasons for either of them. But I, I guess. If you're trying to go look back and think about what Houston was thinking when they signed Daniel Tice, I guess the idea there was like, you know, perhaps they didn't see the Shangun deal coming, you know, actually happening, right? And they were already at the, you know, the one yard line with Tice, so they had to complete the move. Or they didn't see Shangun being this good, right? Like they maybe they saw Shangun as someone that was going to play um in the G league or, you know, not really have a chance at taking away minutes from Tice, but he clearly has. Uh, if the idea was to pair Tice with wood, which I think it actually was, I think, you know, I, I was just playing devil's advocate there. I think their idea was actually to play Tice with wood. Mm-hmm. I, 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 just, I never, I never agreed with that. I never agreed with that in theory. I never agreed with it when it actually happened. I just, I, it was a terrible idea. The floor spacing is ugly. And um, they they keep trying it. They they keep doing it. They keep playing these guys minutes. They play it again tonight together. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. But I bring up uh, the Milwaukee game and along with tonight's game because it kind of dovetails nicely with this upcoming December fifteenth date that we have coming up. And for people who aren't familiar with De- December fifteenth, that's obviously the date that most free agents signed this summer can legally be traded. So most of the action that leads up to the February trade deadline heats up here. 
And I talked about it on last week's show, and I've been writing about it all season. But it's been clear for a while now that Shingun is one of Houston's best players. And that's just becoming clearer and clearer with every game the Rockets play. Uh, this guy is the real deal. He had an incredible behind-the-back pass tonight mm-hmm. uh, to Christian Wood for a layup. And he was he was just dominating in the minutes that he got. He, how many minutes did he play? He played... Shangun played 23 minutes tonight. Mm-hmm. 15 points, six rebounds, six assists, five for eight, five for eight from the field, five of five from the free throw line. That's insane production for that little time. Three blocks, one steal. Yeah, just <laughs> ridiculous. And he, he led. He was essential in their comeback, along with Josh Christopher. Right? Josh Christopher was obviously playing well. I want to give him his credit, but it, it just continues to be a thing that the Rockets play ludicrously well in the minutes that Shingun is on the floor and he produces at an incredible level. He's one of their best players. And the, this guy's the real deal. Like I'm sure internally the Rockets know this because they traded two first round picks for him. Right. And it's obvious to anyone who's been around this team or frankly, just watch Shingun on television. Uh, this dance that they're doing with him playing 15 minutes a, game, a night, like it has to stop. Um, he played a lot tonight, but I wonder how much of that is have to, has to do with him having fresh legs on the second night of a back-to-back. Like I said it on last week's show, the logical next step here is to seriously explore trading Christian Wood mm-hmm. while his value as a, is at an all-time high. He's healthy. He has a, a year and a half remaining on his contract, and he's producing quite well offensively. And most importantly, you have to find out as soon as you possibly can if Shingun can be a franchise centerpiece. That sounds crazy for me to say, right? But that we're really we're really at that point. He's clearly been good enough to be a starter. It's been that way all season. During the draft process, I said that he had all star potential. But now you got to see if this dude can be a building block piece because he, if he is that kind of talent, like, well, that completely changes how you approach everything. It changes how you approach trades. It changes the kinds of players you target at the draft. It changes um, the timeline for Houston's rebuild. It does all that. And as good as Wood is, he may not be a part of Houston's future and his presence on the team is currently eating away from Shingun's playing time. How do you want to respond to all that? Do I sound crazy? Do I sound like a Shingun propagandist? Cause I I've been concerned about that all season. No, no, I don't think you're, you're putting the car ahead of the horse in that respect and that he, he is a franchise anchor. I think that, uh, people across the country are starting to kind of realize what people in Houston are realizing and that, you know, this guy right here could be uh, one of the best five players from this recent draft class, best seven players. Uh, and yeah, has kind of that all-star potential, as you said. Now I'll say this about Christian Wood. If the Rockets are serious that they think that Wood and Chengun is a pairing that can work together and they want to explore that throughout the season, then I don't necessarily think you're in a rush to trade Christian Wood, right? Because the watery is crazy. You can't assume that you're going to get Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bencaro to pair with Alperin. You know, it's not necessarily that Christian Wood will become superfluous. But if you really think that we're going to want to have a solo big, only one kind of high volume big, that's Alperin. Yeah, I think that Christian Wood trades make sense. You know, he's owed $13 million this year, only 14 next year, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. Do the Rockets really want to put a lot of their future cap into him at that point? I think it's just an awkward contractual fit. And that's kind of, I think, the best case for trading one is you just look at the contract. Are they really going to then belly up uh, in summer of, I guess, 2023 and want to pay him a lot? I don't really know about that. Uh, so I think exploring the trade market right now this year when he's still darn, pretty darn young uh, is a smart move, in my opinion. Yeah, I, ju- I just don't agree with the Shingun and Wood lineups as a future 
thing for Houston. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think Shingun's a center. I'm I mean, not Shingun. I think I think both of those guys are centers, both both are centers. Right. right? Like I think I think Christian Wood. We saw it. Like the Rockets went on a winning streak as soon as they put Shing- they put Christian Wood at center and they they surround him with floor spacing. Uh, I mean, listen. The, the data says that the the double bigs aren't aren't the future for Houston. The eye test says the double bigs aren't aren't the future for Houston. Um, I mean, we know this. Like Christian Wood is best used as a, as a rim running center that can space the floor, not a not a floor spacing center that can rim run. Right. Like I I think the Rockets had that backwards. Uh, this idea of pairing uh, ty- pairing Wood with a with a center like they've been obsessed with this for a year and a half. I don't understand it. You know the Kelly Olynyk thing. Sure, like Kelly Olynyk produced really well again next to Wood, but they kind of had to play them together. It's not like they did that because, you know, like they Christian Wood's a, a power forward. They knew Christian Wood was a center because they 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 acquired him with the intention of playing center next to James Harden. Uh, so this idea that oh we discovered something that we didn't know before, like I I just I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think that targeting Tice was necessarily the smart move. I think. He could end up being a useful player for Houston down the line, but right now he's just he's just in a in a, in a really tough situation. Um, not not entirely his own fault. Like it's just the, the Rockets have nowhere to play him right now. Um, but yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I I think this idea of, of Christian Wood on the Rockets long term. Listen, like I, I've said this before, twenty twenty three. If they strike out on all the free agents, Christian Wood's not the bat not not the worst backup plan. Right, like it's not the worst idea to, to to have would be the backup plan, but is is it worth keeping him on the roster and eat away from Shingun's minutes? You know, preventing you from getting a clearer picture of this and not selling on him at, at his highest point, risking him possibly getting injured and not being able to sell him at next year's deadline. Like, is is that is all of that worth it to have him be a backup plan in twenty twenty three? Yeah. I don't think it is. Yeah, I mean, even even if the Rockets want to think that far from now, it, you know, you can probably some find someone on the free agent market, some front court player who can approximate that value at the time. I totally think that right now, kind of cashing in on Wood uh, is probably the best move. And I think, yeah, I think it's kind of an innocent mistake for the Rockets. I think Sangoon is just far better than they thought he would be probably as a rookie, and it's kind of forced their hand. Um, and I think fortunately for the Rockets, if they are looking to deal him before uh, mid-February, there are a fair amount of options that I think could work. Do you want to throw a few uh, ideas uh, my way, see what's interesting? Okay, in regards to Christian Wood? Yes. So we can, but I want to ask you this question before we get there. Please. So I'm going to list some names here, and you tell me, you tell me how many of these players are going to be moved by the February trade deadline. Okay. Eric Gordon, Christian Wood... Daniel Tice, Daniel House, DJ Augustine, David Nwaba. How many of those players are traded? Uh, that's seven. I'll take. That's six. I'll take, I'll take. I'll say more than that was six of them. Yeah. Uh, I'll say more than. I'll say more than half. I'll say four. You say four? Yeah. Okay. I'll say two, maybe three. I think. Yeah. I, I think I'll settle in at three. I think. I think Eric Gordon and, and Christian Wood. Um, if I were Houston, I would consider trading him, and I think. At this point, Houston is probably having those internal discussions right now. Um, and as far as who else gets traded from that mix, I think I think Daniel House w- might have been a nice idea, but the problem there is he's in a walking boot right now. I'm not sure how much value he has. DJ Augustine, I think that's the kind of guy. That's the kind of guy that a team might target for a second round pick. Someone I, probably will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, but again, like. 
I'm it really depends on whether or not Houston thinks that's worth it because they really don't have that many point guard options uh, after after Kevin Porter Jr. and D.A. Augustine. Like it's 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 really brutal. But that is that is something to keep in mind. Like again, they're not trying to compete this season, so if they really want to do a true tear, true teardown, trading all three of those guys might not be the worst idea. And David Nwaba. So if I were Houston, I would not sell this low on him right now. I would I would wait. I would wait on Nwaba. I would wait. Until there are more minutes to be opened up for him to play, and then you know maybe try, think about moving him at next year's deadline. Same thing with Tice. I would wait. I would not sell on him right now. Um, so I would say that eliminates four of those guys because again, House is in a walking boot. But you know, you know, let's see if he you know re re reestablishes his value before February. But I would say right now, unlikely. I would say yeah, unlikely. So that eliminates four of those guys. I would say you know two of those guys are getting traded. Yeah, perhaps. I, I think that the the conversations regarding Wood and Gordon are probably the two, mo- you know, obviously the two most interesting ones. The only two really we're talking about, I think the other guys, um, as you said, you know, second round picks, it's not really necessarily going to net the Rockets much, if anything. Right. Yeah. Have you have you have you thought extensively about trading uh, about Houston trading Christian Wood? Um, I mean, not necessarily too extensively, but I think it's it's certainly on the table. I think that it's it's something that will probably gain steam. I think that it's it's less likely than I thought when they were losing a lot of games in a row. I thought, you know, he wasn't going to be in a Rockets uniform past the new year. Now I think it'll probably be something they definitely take to the clock. And and I don't think it's a guarantee or a fake on play or anything like that. But I think if they get the right offer, yeah, he, he could be moved. And I don't think that would be the wrong idea at all. All right, I'm going to start. I'm going to start off with an innocent trade. Okay. Not, not exactly innocent. All these trades are going to be massive. Let's start with Philly. And Ben Simmons. What if they go ahead and trade both these guys for Ben Simmons? So Philly gets immediately better as a basketball team, right? Eric Gordon and Christian Wood are obviously going to help them in the short term. Uh, Ben Simmons obviously makes sense for Houston as a rebuilding team. It's a lot of money, $33 million a year, but he's fairly young. It's it's not a bad franchise cornerstone. It's not a bad theoretical fit next to Shingun long term. You know, like I, 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 I'm not sure if, if I, I'm even thinking that far ahead around, you know, building around Shingun, but like, you know, just, I'm just throwing that out there. But, you know, what, what do you, what do you think about Philly as a potential landing spot? You could potentially throw in a pick or two if you think, if you think Daryl isn't, you know, tempted by that. Uh, I, I would say if the Rockets have an opportunity to, to kind of manufacture some Ben Simmons trade, they should jump at the chance. But I, I would say that that doesn't really entice Philadelphia. I don't think, I think that Christian Wood, while a, you know, a very good player kind of falls below that threshold that I think Daryl is willing to do. And, and as we said, this whole time, isn't Christian Wood a center and don't they have one of the best centers in basketball? I, you know, I think all of my trades are a little more innocent than that, than, than the Rockets getting Ben Simmons here. By the way, I, I never do this. Long-term listeners of the podcast know this is completely out of my personality doing these wild trade ideas, but I'm in the mood, man. Like the Rockets, could be a really feisty trade of the trade deadline because they have large salaries. Uh, there, are, there's a lot of angst in the league, right? Like you have uh, teams that need to move players, and you have um, the Rockets could potentially be a arbiter of some trades. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I think if Houston has to find a way to get into these these Ben Simmons talks, any way possible, if they can find a way to get in there and sneak in a trade. Uh, you know, if be a third team, be a fourth team. I think there, I think there's some real. They can find some value there because if there's if there's a team that doesn't want to trade for Ben Simmons straight up, well, that team might be helped by trading for Christian Wood and Eric Gordon straight up. 
True. You know, I think, I think that's uh, not the worst idea for them to get into those talks. Um, yeah. I mean, I, the, as far as crazy, I'm all out. I think, I think, I think we've explored everything thoroughly. Can, can you think of another crazy one before we get to the realistic ones? Oh, man, that's, you know, I, I don't know how, how crazy you think it is, but, but just the idea, I think for Rockets fans who follow the team over the past, you know, half decade or decade, a Rockets Warriors deal where it's Wiseman and a pick, Kuminga and a pick, Wiseman okay, plus, yes. Vinny plus pick. I think that is something that makes sense. Now, Golden State is, I think, to their own detriment, you know, always kind of uh, very stingy with their rookies and their draft capital here. But I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So this was a trade that actually my dad pitched me yesterday. Oh, there we go. Yeah, my, my dad's a diehard Rockets fan. He Love always it. pitches me trades about trades like this. <laughs> he talked about Wiseman and Kaminga potentially coming back to Houston in a trade like this. And it it makes sense for Houston, for the Warriors. They're on such a roll right now. You know, they're the number one seed in the Western Conference. Probably the title favorites. You know, if I think if both of us gun to our head were asked to pick a title favorite right now, it'd probably be the Warriors. I'm not sure about you. That's who I pick. Uh, I'll take Milwaukee right now. Okay. All right. Correction. You'd, you'd be Milwaukee. Um, okay. I'll do, I'll do respect to the Warriors. I'll take Milwaukee. Fair enough. Are they, are they your favorite to come out of the Western conference? Yeah, I'll say right now. Okay. So they're both of our favorites to come out of the Western conference. So they're playing really well right now. You don't want to rock the boat too much. Wiseman and Kambinga, you know, buying low on those guys right now. I think the Warriors are, you know, smarter than that like i don't think they would sell on those guys right now like i think they they recognize that um if they wait if they if they wait for those guys to get reintegrated maybe not right now but perhaps in the future they could really have something here to extend steph curry's prime i don't i think you know acquiring christian wood certainly makes you a lot better as a basketball team though because they don't have a center like that right yeah Yeah. certainly next to draymond is a dream fit yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and for all this talk, you know, the Warriors are trying to extend Steph's prime. I also think there's the kind of the counter argument of shouldn't you be capitalizing on his prime, like the prime that's happening right now? Like, you know, I don't want to spend Joe Lacob's money. You know, I understand the tax implications of trading for a guy like Christian Wood. It's it's certainly a lot. But I think, you know, you, you can't treat 23 and four or whatever their record is right now. Sorry, I don't have it in front of me. Some uh, fantastic record and say, you know, we're satisfied and this roster is already perfect for April and May and June. I kind of think you have to see that and say, well, now let's augment what we have for April, May, and June. So I think it makes sense for the Warriors. I, for the record, don't think that they will pull the trigger on any of these like youngsters for veterans trade, but I think they should. I really think they should. I underestimated you, Michael. That is a pretty crazy trade. Oh, that, 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 that enough for you? Okay, good. No, no, that is, that is a pretty crazy trade. Um, so let, let, let's get let's get to some realistic trades. I really like the idea of Eric Gordon being traded to Memphis because Memphis is a team that has all their first round picks. They're an ascending team. Uh, they're gonna they figure to be really good when John Morant comes back. They're the four seed right now, and they're managing to win games without John Morant, which is incredible. Uh, just truly awesome coaching. Yeah, I definitely think that's a smart one. I think that a lot of these teams that kind of are looking for some secondary creation, the guy who has a little verve off the bounce while also being a solid shooter. I just, you know, I think Eric Gordon's game is just something that's just so malleable. You know, you can place him really on any roster and I think he'll fit. And it's really a credit to him. You know, Steven Silas said the other night, he's one of the best, you know, kind of one-on-one individual defenders in the league. And this year he has been. Um, So I think Memphis is smart. One other one I think is Phoenix. I think that they would kind of crave and really like just one more kind of 
uh, off the bench or secondary playmaker, you know, alongside Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh, that whole construction of Dario Smaric, Dale Smith, and a first-round pick has kind of been floating all around. I don't know if they would get all of that for Eric Gordon, but if it's Saric in a pick, Jalen Smith in a pick, Saric and Jalen Smith, who is the number 10 pick, I believe, in the draft, that seems like a pretty good match, I feel like. I, I think that could make some sense. Another one that I kind of thought might be a little smart, kind of under the radar, Cleveland, who's having a really nice year. Uh, although they don't have Colin Sexton, perhaps one more guard could be of value to them, you know, alongside both Ricky Rubio, um, you know, and Darius Garland there, uh, pay perhaps Chetty Osman in a first round pick, perhaps Isaac Okoro could be dangling in a deal. So, you know, Eric Gordon's a guy who won't necessarily net the sexiest return, but you could get a first, you could get a solid former lottery pick. I think that could be a value for Houston, even though uh, Eric's been quite the professional here this year and last year. They are the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, I, I guess the question you have to ask yourself there if you're Cleveland is like, are, are you ready? Like, is this it? Like, is this the core you kind of want to lock yourself into? Um, and I, I'm not sure. I think, I think, listen, I was really high on Evan Mobley, man. I had him second on my board. I, I love uh, Evan Mobley. Um, and I, I, I do like Con Sexton more than most people. I think, I think he's kind of a little bit underrated by, uh, you know, NBA people, right? I think he's, I think he, I think he's really good. Uh, Garland, obviously, we don't have to talk much about him. Everybody likes Garland. Um, I guess is that the core you want to lock yourself into if you're if you're Cleveland? Uh, you still you have Jared you have Jared Allen there as well. Um, he does make sense as a fit, yeah. but is is this the year you want to go for it? Sure, and, and I do think though, you know, Eric Gordon is kind of a guy where you can. Um, it's kind of putting your foot in the, in the water, you know, in terms of dipping your toe in the water in terms of going for it, which could be helpful. But yeah, you know, I think those teams where it's kind of that early rebuild or kind of actually late in that rebuild or trying to turn the corner. Sometimes it's hard to know when are they ready to sacrifice their assets? I think that's, that's a pretty fair point. So who's their franchise player? If you, if I had to ask you right now, who's Cleveland's franchise player, is that clearly identifiable? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's Evan Mobley. I mean, I think he's probably their number one franchise player, but I also think it's fair to view Darius Garland as kind of like a franchise point guard right now for them. He's really having a fantastic season. He made a lot of growth down the stretch last year. You know, I kind of differ on you uh, from you on Colin Sexton. Like, I don't think that they should or will extend him or anything like that, especially after the injury. Um, so I think they have, you know, some building blocks. And I bet they even consider, well, they definitely consider Jared Allen one of those building blocks after giving him a nine-figure deal. So, you know, it's like in Cleveland, they are kind of a little more maybe locked into that core than, uh, as we kind of noted, than than people might think. Yeah, uh, they are, and I Very I think honestly that they built this roster this way. Yeah, it is, it is, and JB Bickerstaff has done a really good job coaching this season. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really found his sea legs as a coach after kind of bouncing around the league for a bit. But I I don't think it's crazy. Like Evan, if you believe Evan Mobley is your guy, if you believe you have your foundational player in house right now, go for it. Like freaking go for it. Like th- that's really, that's when you identify when a rebuild is over or not, when you have the franchise player in house, right? Like I think that's how I view timelines. I think when, once you know that you have that guy, go for it. If, you, if you're not, if you're still not sure if Mobley is your guy, then you can be a little bit more tentative, hold your assets back, wait for that guy to become available because they're not going to get that guy in the draft at this point if they're playing this well. But right. it, but but if they if they don't think Evan Mobley is their guy, they can hold back their assets and wait for another trade to come along. I, I do think it's not the worst idea. I, I, I like Cleveland as a destination. That's a good pick. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. And I, I think both with Eric and, and Christian, I think it's a situation where the Rockets probably aren't rushing to ship them out the door. I think if this was more of a, uh, a kind of rougher tank situation, then they probably would. So 
I'm not saying that Eric Gordon definitely won't be on the roster past February. I don't necessarily uh, won't guarantee that Christian Wood won't be on the roster past February. But both guys, as we noted, uh, both the contract situations, the amount of contenders across the league, or at least teams that are saying, you know, we're a top five team in our conference should create, you know, a, a pretty healthy market. So I think that'll be interesting to see. I love the idea of Christian Wood and Charlotte. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think that he fits in really nicely there next to LaMelo Ball. Uh, I think I think LaMelo Ball would be a really nice pick-and-roll partner for him. Uh, I think that's really the position they're lacking. Like, like if you look at their roster, they're they're not complete. Like, I don't want to say they're ready yet, but, like, they're, they're, they're pretty damn close. And if they get a center, like, that might Christian Wood might put them over the edge. Now, what kind of contracts do they have to move? Yeah, you know, it, I kind of had a tough time actually kind of mixing and matching those those Charlotte contracts because I don't think it's a situation where they're going to be looking to ship Gordon Hayward, who was a nice kind of matching candidate. Um, I will also say with Charlotte, I immediately thought of them as a perfect basketball fit. I think financially and economically, it could be a bit of an issue, especially considering, you know, they're going to have to extend Miles Bridges here and pay him a pretty hefty salary. Are they looking to add another one on top? But, you know, I think Charlotte is an Eastern Conference destination that makes a lot of sense. Um, one other that I kind of targeted was Boston, who desperately seems to need, uh, not desperately, but could use, I think, more of a scoring punch in the front court. I don't think that Robert Williams has necessarily lived up to what they want this year. What if it was like Aaron Neesmith, Josh Richardson, and maybe a couple firsts? I think that's something that could work out for both teams. It's not the biggest deal in the world, but you know he could make a legitimate impact there in Boston as they kind of flounder here in the Eastern Conference. Aaron Neesmith, um, say that again? Aaron Neesmith. Josh Richardson, effectively salary filler, and say two first-round picks. Boston is completely pick neutral here, which is really helpful for them. So if they want to take a swing, they're a team you could look at to make a trade here. So if you're Houston, I think you look at Christian Wood as somebody that can net you something close to what Vooch net you know, Orlando last year, right? Yeah, I, I don't think that's a crazy trade. I explored the idea of Christian Wood being traded to Boston last season. I think, um, I think he makes sense. I think... Uh, really, with for Houston, you just have to figure out what's that. What's that number? What's the how many picks is that sweet spot to to deal Wood? Uh, I would probably settle in at that three three spot. I think three first round picks is probably where I would you know feel tempted to move him. But if they settle in at two, and if they can get good enough value elsewhere in the contracts that they can move later on for picks, I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think it gets back to this point that we were discussing earlier. You know, if you're kind of underwhelmed by the overall package for Christian Wood, then I think it's a situation where it's not a huge problem, again, if you keep him. You know, I think, um, you know, despite, you know, reports before he came here of being kind of a prickly personality, I think he's fit in really well. He's bought in. You know, I think he has a good rapport with Steven Silas. So if he's here, uh, perhaps, you know, there's a bit of a growth development issue where he's running into Sangoon, but no rule that says you can't trade him in the offseason before the draft, next, you know, trade deadline. So I don't think it's an urgent situation, so to speak, if you're not, you know, loving two picks that you don't think are lottery picks or something like that for Christian Wood. So let me ask you a question. Sure. How many times do you go to the Clippers page and you go to their basketball <laughs> reference page and you, you, you start constructing deals in your head and then you go to how many picks they have and it's like crap. Like you run into that roadblock. How many times has that happened for you this season? I've looked at it, you know, a fair amount. And, and the only reason, and I did it before this podcast, but the only reason was because I thought you were going to bring him up. And I was going to say the only team, the only team for John Wall that makes really any sense is the Clippers because they have all these big contracts with Morris and Kennard and Bledsoe and Ibaka. 
I just don't think it's happening. I don't think there's any John Wall trade. I, I'm happy that we haven't delved into that territory because I really think it's wait a year and buy out. I think this kind of fanciful idea they're going to find a trade partner eh, it doesn't make much sense to me. Oh, I wasn't talking about John Wall. I was talking about Eric Gordon. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know what would entice entice the Rockets given that that pick situation. Right. So like, I think the only way to get a deal done with, with the Clippers is if it's a three-teamer. Right, if you can find that third team to send back picks to Houston's Houston's way, then you can get something done. But I love the Clippers as a destination for Eric Gordon. I mentioned them before I as a, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mentioned them before as a, as a destination for Eric Gordon. He makes a lot of sense uh, with their core. Um, I guess I guess for Houston, it's like how do you find a way to get that third team and and, and get some some draft capital back? Because really, that's that's the only roadblock with any pick with any trade involving the Clippers. It's always the picks. It's always the picks. They have nothing to send out. And that's why people keep mentioning John Wall, because John Wall will not cost you any picks. He won't. He'll cost, he'll cost you a lot of money. He won't cost you any picks, exactly. Right. So, yeah, it's it, it's an interesting situation. Um, you know, I think it'll be a nice for reunion for Eric Gordon. I think it'll be really nice for the Clippers to have, a, you know, another playmaker. I think right now their offense is kind of suffering because as Paul George tries to take kind of an increasing offensive load, that's not necessarily who he is. You know, he's turning it over a lot. He's not necessarily a, you know, very steady lead ball handler. So they're struggling. They could use it. I think from the Rockets perspective, what we've learned here today and kind of cycling through these is that they have options and they, I think should be a player in a lot of deals. These three teamers, four teamers, they can absorb salary. They can ship it out. I think gobbling up picks as many as you can is the move. And if it, you know, it requires dealing Christian Wood and Deering Eric Gordon. If you're going to get multiple firsts for stuff like this, I think that's probably the sensible move later this year or next year. Well, let's start with Minnesota. Minnesota has to figure out, like, like, is this the core you want to lock yourself into, number one? And number two, how do you improve around this core, right? Because, like, I really like Carl Anthony Towns. I have not given up on him as a franchise corner piece. I think I think that guy is awesome. I, I He just consistently produces ridiculous numbers on the offensive end defensively obviously it's a problem you have to figure out ways to build around him that's kind of the discussion they have to have internally because that's at he can't wait around he had that he had that conf- press conference I think he, was it yesterday where, yes. he, where where he went off right it's like, nah. he's like I'm, I'm tired of losing I, i'm tired of coming up here and talking about you know how we can improve for next game and and what, what you know what i end up saying doesn't happen like he's they're on a timeline with him because he's just right. He's looking over the edge right now. And they, they look like a team that might be a sneaky team at the trade deadline that, that could get active. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if it's, it's necessarily sneaky. I think they are looking to make some upgrades. I think it's a situation where, yeah, where on the roster is the place they can make the upgrade. I think the most obvious one is, you know, perhaps getting involved in those Ben Simmons sweepstakes, but you know, is necessarily D'Angelo Russell as that piece going back really going to entice Philadelphia or somewhere else. I, I don't know if it's a situation where the Rockets will really get involved with the, a Christian Wood trade. Although, you know, Jaden McDaniels and a few first round picks, is that something that's necessarily all that intriguing? So um, Minnesota, I think, will be buyers. And I think, you know, partially out of desperation here and, and trying to construct a winner sooner than later. I don't know if the Rockets are the exact team for that. But yeah, Minnesota is definitely a team to watch. I like them as an Eric Gordon team, not not a Christian Wood team. I, I like them as someone that could like to their credit, they've been pretty disciplined about not trading away future first round picks. They have all the future firsts. Mm-hmm. Right. So so if they want if they want to go ahead and be buyers at the deadline, they can be buyers at the deadline. Uh if if you know, 
Sachan Gupta has a pretty good relationship with the Rockets. Uh, obviously, was from Houston. Um, and I, I wonder if, you know, the Rockets tried hiring him two years ago. Obviously, famously got blocked by Gerson Rosas. Um, it, but, like, if the Rockets want to engage a dialogue with them, there's obviously an avenue. And if the Timberwolves want to, you know, seriously f- figure out how they can improve around you know, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. Cause I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Anthony Edwards to be clear. I'm, I, that's, that guy is legit. He is the real deal. And if, if they wanted, if they want to put all their chips in on Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns being their core, I don't think that's crazy. Actually. I really like those two players. I think those are not bad building blocks to start from. I think you just have to figure out how you complement those players. And Eric Gordon's not the worst idea. I think. No, and honestly, you know, I, I kind of touched on it earlier. Eric Gordon's a guy I just think in, in there's so few lineups where I don't think he would be beneficial. And I think a lot of these teams, uh, he could be a really nice finishing piece or a really nice piece to kind of take you from the non-playoffs to the play-in, from the play-in to one of these top five or six seeds. So, um, yeah, I think that Eric Gordon, I think we'll have a pretty healthy market um, this year coming up. And it, it would be nice to see him on a contender. You know, you don't want... Uh, to ship a guy out of town and if Eric wants to stay that's great but you know if he wants to kind of take this PJ Tucker route and maybe go somewhere and have some playoff shine uh, as a veteran player th- that would be good for him I'd be happy to see that and I've taken way too much of your time today we've had dog issues we've had audio issues oh, totally this, is, this has been the podcast from hell tell the people where you can where we can follow your work and you on Twitter yeah of course you can follow me on Twitter at mshap2 you can see my work uh, on SI.com this week had a profile of Thunder point guard Josh Giddy, who looks right at home in the NBA as a rookie uh, and have a couple other things I'm cooking up as well. So, yeah, you guys can keep an eye out on that. Yeah, I was wrong about Josh Giddy. That, that, I, I, I viewed the entire Thunder draft as hubris. And like in regards mm-hmm. to Josh Giddy, I was wrong. They were clearly really high on that guy. They kept their interests under wraps. Nobody knew that they were that they were high on him. And it surprised everybody when they took him. But uh, he's good. He's really good. Yeah. You know, it was definitely a real unique pick. I think, you know, a lot of early rebuild teams are always going to kind of, you know, jump at the wings, jump at the athletic guys. You know, I was certainly among the people who thought kind of Kaminga was was the natural fit, but they kind of zagged, uh, paired Josh Giddy with SGA, and I think it's bred some impressive results. So, yeah, you can find that piece uh, on my Twitter at mshap2 or at si.com. Thank you so much for coming on, Michael. Of course. Thanks for having me.